Canucks Central Friday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. We are presented by Grip Auto and Tire. Quality service and friendly advice waiting for you at gripauto.ca today. The Canucks coming off a tough overtime loss to the Minnesota Wild last night. 3-2 and it sets up Sat. Uh, I mean, I think it was a must-win either way, but uh, tomorrow against the Dallas Stars is not literally a must-win, but it's it's really a must-win tomorrow night. You you kind of have to win. But here's the amazing part about what happened over these back-to-back games. We were at a point uh, at the deadline, especially with how lackluster the Canucks were on home ice going 2-3-2 two, and two, and stubbing their toe against Detroit and then losing those back-to-back games, only getting a point. It seemed like it was all done and dusted. And the fact that we're sitting here and talking about, you know what? If they win against Dallas, maybe we have a conversation. I'm here for it, man. Like, honestly, we'll see what happens, right? And, and tomorrow's a, ma- a massive game for this Canucks team. But the fact they're still kind of in it, listen, we can talk draft all we want. We're going to do that. We'll talk offseason. That's going to happen. But they're not going to get a top five pick unless they get lottery luck, right? Why not see how far they can push this? And what they did in these past two games, well, it keeps them somewhat alive. You know, I I keep going back to to Buffalo and Detroit, and it's like if they yeah. had three more points there, all of a sudden, you know, you're you're three points back of the Oilers with a game, and they have a game in hand. It's it's a lot more palatable. But right now, as it stands, you're six points back of the Oilers, who have that third spot in the Pacific Division. Dallas is one of those teams you are trying mm-hmm. to catch uh, for the wild card, but they've got a bunch of games in hand. So, you know, it just it. That's really where, at the end of the season, you might be looking back and saying those were the points that uh, they needed to have. But regardless, there's a lot of good to take away from these past two games. And I I wonder, you know, maybe I'm taking more of a glass uh, half-empty kind of view of it after uh, the Italy loss yesterday sat. and everything Italy else. lost, Canada lost. Canada lost. I'm just like, <laughs> it's been a bad sports week for Dan, okay? But... Baker Mayfield's going to be the next quarterback. The okay, Seahawks. now, now uh, please, can we can we not? I'm not like I'm I'm borderline ready to even start seeing the the photoshops, the bad photoshops that have already started to come out. I, I saw the one with Baker wearing six and Seahawks gear. The headband oh. has Seahawks gear on. I'm like, you know what? That doesn't look half bad. <laughs> uh, well, everybody looks good in Seahawks colors. Okay. <laughs> It's the nicest the green is magnificent. It's uh, it's the nicest kit in the league. Um, so what I think is interesting about tomorrow is, you know, so we we almost pronounced them uh, their playoff hopes dead after the way Bro, we we pronounced them dead like seventeen times. Yeah, I since think like so. the First quarter of the season. <laughs> so the you know they're they're still on life support, but now this Dallas game. It's almost like you went into Colorado and Minnesota and the pressure was off. You could play with some ease. You came out of the the trade deadline and okay, this is the squad. Let's let's do what we can here. But that that game tomorrow against Dallas, it's it's full on desperation time. That's a lot of pressure in this team when they've had the pressure on them. I feel like that's that's when their performances have have kind of come up short. 
Yeah, when expectations go up a little bit, they, they found a way to stub their toe, right? And, and what you mentioned, you know, about those crushing losses and ultimately how, how hard it's going to be for them to make this, you know, unreal run to get in. Because now you still have to, you still have to go, what, 12, 4, and 1? Or 12, 3, and 1? Yeah. Right? That's kind of what you're looking at. It's still a monumental task. It really reminds me of what happened with the Blue Jays this past year, right? Where they got off to this bad start. Lost a, lost a bunch of games they shouldn't lose and ultimately just missed the playoffs by a game. Maybe the Canucks end up missing by more than just a point or a game, so to speak. But you dig such a big hole, no matter how much you do and how well you play, it's just so hard to ultimately com- overcome all that, right? But at the end of the day, sports is about what is the unthinkable. And as fans, they're going to watch and say, you know, I, I know the fans that want the rebuild, I get it. They're, they're going to be upset. It doesn't matter. But as far as being a fan who wants to see the unthinkable happen, cheer for them to make the playoffs, part of sport is seeing the unthinkable, right? It's unscripted, and and perhaps you could see a so-called miracle on, on the sports field happen, right? And So we all hope for that sort of thing, and I think it's fun to see if that's attainable and if it can happen. But obviously, the odds are stacked against them in a massive way. But I'll say this. If they do win against Dallas tomorrow, it's kind of game on with that mm-hmm. St. Louis game looming, right? And even if you kind of get somewhat of a result out of it, you have a chance with Vegas head out. Now, Vegas is not a team you're fighting for a playoff spot with because they're they're a team that's falling out of a wild card spot. But if you can jump over Vegas over the next three or four games, then maybe we can have a conversation about the final dozen games and and perhaps them winning seven or eight and getting in. I mean, but that's what they got to do, right? You got to win on Saturday. You pretty much got to beat uh, the Blues as well. And you got to take care of business against the Golden Knights. There's a lot that I really liked about their games in, in Colorado and even yesterday against Minnesota when you knew they were up against it with all the factors going against them, uh, getting into uh, mini uh, at pretty much four in the morning uh, day of the game. Uh, they've been... Uh, now, as of today, they've woken up in four different cities over the last four days, given the travel schedule. It's not an easy one. Went through the time zone, too, from Colorado to Minnesota. Had every excuse to really not uh, be able to to put up the fight in that game the way that they did. And it felt as though Minnesota wanted to kind of beat the fight out of the Canucks with the way that they played. It was a very greasy game by the wild. But what I liked is, you know, in Colorado, they, they didn't shy away from, from going at them. They didn't, you know, really try to lock it down and play a trap type style. They played well defensively, but it was an aggressive defensive style that, that I, I, I really enjoyed that they had. And yesterday they didn't back down from the fight that, that the Minnesota wild were, were going out there and trying to give the Canucks. So those are two really big things that I, I felt this team just didn't really have over the weekend and they're going to need it uh, to carry through the rest of the season. Well, they do. And, you know, the focus they played with, and that's that's the big takeaway I had from the game, you know, against Colorado, right? The, the, the focus, the discipline they played with, and the fact they weren't making mistakes, they were completely engaged. And to a large part, they did a lot of those similar things against Minnesota, but they clearly ran out of gas halfway through that game. And that made a lot of sense. Back-to-back, so you come in at 4 a.m. the night before, and you're playing, you know, less than 24 hours apart with game times. That's tough, right? And 
I thought the most impressive part about what they did against Minnesota was they had a really good start. And if if Tyler Myers doesn't make a mistake to turn the puck over, yeah. maybe we were talking about them having a one nothing lead through the first, and we're having a different conversation about how that game kind of unfolds. But that shows how fine the margins are. They can play really well, but you can't afford to make those types of mistakes. And those are the things that really get in their way. But I've been so impressed with their last two games, right? I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm still, you know, kind of worried about buying into it and say, okay, they've they've arrived. We got burned last week when we talked about that. I mean, the Detroit game. I won't forget. We sat here. You were skeptical after winning against Jersey. I'm like, come on. I mean, they just beat Jersey. They've been mature. Uh, they've, they're trying to mature here. They've been have a good record since Boudreaux took over. I gotta think they're gonna be ready to play here against Detroit. They'll take care of business. You got to. And they fell flat. So that is still in the back of my mind that I worry about. But if you can play the way you did these last two games, maybe you are onto something. But the story of this season has been the inability to string that together outside of that seven-game winning streak they had initially when Boudreaux took over. Yeah, and uh, you know, even even that one towards the end of it, it, their game started to tail off a little bit. Demko bailing them out here and there. Uh, they had that game in Columbus where uh, Halak gave up three goals in the first period, and they they found a way to come back. They were resilient, um, but. I, Aside from you know the Myers giveaway and and some other moments in the game last night against Minnesota and hey when when you're kind of playing a little bit fatigued you're going to make mistakes I think that's just natural to happen but they've been smarter about their puck management they've been smarter with how they attack when they attack and they knew they weren't going to have a ton of mm-hmm. uh, energy to really go at Minnesota five on five but you know took advantage when Minnesota took uh, their their greasiness to another level and gave them a couple of extra power plays leading to the tying goal. Kind of one They're thing, a mean team, hey. Oh man. They're a mean piece of business. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, you know, uh, when when Washington was in town, uh when we were watching the game up uh, at the Jim Robson broadcast gondola, like you could feel the hits from uh, all the way up in the rafters of of Rogers Arena. I could feel the hits coming through the television screen last night from from the Minnesota Wild. Not so many teams play that heavy, and I wonder, yeah. Sat, if that's something you want to see the Canucks emulate a little bit as they try to continue to develop an identity under the new front office. And as they start to mold the roster into a different direction. I mean, yes, obviously, if you craft out, what's the perfect hockey team? It's a skilled team that has speed, is great on special teams, gets saves, and they'll beat the hell out of you, right? They'll run you through the boards, they'll be physical, and and they'll be intimidating. Of course, you want to have that perfect team. And, and I'd love to see a team that's out there and, and intimidating the opposition on a consistent basis. But at the end of the day, just get good. Like, how do you become a good hockey team? Just forge an identity about who you are. But the thing I was impressed by last night, I mean, they didn't back down. They weren't pushing around Minnesota, but Luke Shen set the tone early, right? I mean, right away he set the tone. He dropped the gloves. He was an absolute rhino on skates, like somebody mentioned to me on Twitter the other day. (laughs) I mean, he's an absolute beast when he's playing that physical, right? And the Canucks didn't back down physically. Yeah, Minnesota's stronger, they're tougher, they're meaner, but the Canucks held their own. I'd love to see them be a team like Minnesota, but more than anything, just forge your identity as as to what you are. And I think if they add a little speed to their game and have some speed and they forge tech, even if they're not as physical, they can be really annoying to play against, right? So they have a few guys that can do that, but overall, it comes down to getting to your spots. The thing about Minnesota, yeah, they're physical, 
But the reason they're physical and they're successful with it is because they get there fast, right? I mean, all their big guys are fast. Greenway can skate, right? Even Delorier can skate. All those guys that are physical and intimidating, they move really well. So at the end of the day, it comes down to how fast you can play as well. And that's the main thing I want to take away from a team like Minnesota, how quickly they get up and down the ice and how well they forecheck. The Canucks do have what? Like Miller is probably the one guy uh, that, that can be – heavy and is big and is skilled obviously I mean everything he's he's meant to this team this year um Pearson's not exactly the biggest guy but he can play a bit more of a heavy game and we're gonna have Yannick Hansen as we do every Friday but curious to hear his thoughts on how you how you play heavier can you do that also finding those speed and the size and speed combo players because they're just hard to find around the league. They are so coveted around the league where even a guy like Josh Anderson, who doesn't produce a ton, you know, got paid over five million bucks because he's in the Tom Wilson kind of mold, sad. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, even Greenway, it's not like he's putting up great numbers, but the Wild just gave him a three-year contract, and you can kind of see why with the style of game he plays and how it fits into their identity it's those guys like when teams find those guys that have the size and speed combo they they really just don't let them go no they don't and I saw some people point to Zach McEwen and saying what about Zach McEwen McEwen has the didn't have the speed he's tough is, is the pace isn't there, right? Yeah. I mean, what separates him from those other guys, he doesn't get to his spots as quickly. He can play five or six minutes. He can be the tough guy for you, but can he play 12, 13, or 15 minutes, right? And can he really drive you through the boards with his forecheck and being aggressive consistently? And that's kind of where his game kind of faltered. But the Canucks don't have anybody like that, and even through their system. And there aren't the, that many guys around the league you can target and, and bring in. And one guy they did bring in was Michael Furlan. You saw how that worked out for this team a few yeah. years ago, right? I mean, in many ways, Furlan was one of those unicorn type of players, right? Not at the same level as a Tom Wilson, but he's big, he's fast, can score a little bit, and he can beat you up, and he's physical, right? But obviously, concussion issues, it didn't work out. It's really hard to find those guys and build a team like that. So I think if if you're trying to build the next Minnesota Wild, I think things have to kind of align for you to find a bunch of guys that can play that style. Because if you're trying to go out and, say, look for the next big physical guys and find a team that's going to play that way, you're probably going to have to invest in a bunch of guys that are lacking one thing or another. They have size, lacks of physicality. They have speed, lack physicality. Have physicality, lack a little bit of speed. Getting that combination, like you mentioned, is the hardest thing to find. Playing mean like that, it's uh, it's also a mentality. Yeah. Some players don't have it. Uh, some players do. <laughs> Clearly, a lot of the Minnesota Wild do. Um, but, you know, it, it is a fine line. You know, the, the Wild essentially let the Canucks back in the game with all the penalties they were taking in the in the third period um but at the same time you kind of hated playing against them like whoever gets them in the first round uh, man like every uh, let's say it is st louis every blues fan is going to absolutely detest the minnesota wild after what we saw yesterday well and you know the, the thing about them too is not only are they physical, they also have goaltending. Talbot's been playing mm. well, and they also traded for Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. So it's one of those things where they can play a grinding style and and have success in the postseason. Because in the playoffs, 
at the end of the day, hockey is still a game that comes down to brute force and will, right? And it's funny because I, I'm all, you guys know, I mean, people call me StatTR Shaw. I love the stats. We talk about it all the time. <laughs> but as you get older and stuff like that, too, and the more you see about the game and the more you kind of realize, okay, what is truly successful come postseason? A lot of it comes down to power, too, right? Like brawn and power, getting to your spots. you got to be talented enough to get there. That's why it comes back to the overall talent baseline and the speed baseline for you to be successful and be able to take a regular shift and then you can make that type of difference and i look over the canucks roster and we saw Bo in the postseason show he can play that style when he puts his head down and he rushes right so he's a guy that could potentially do it and maybe do it a bit more consistently when when he gets into the postseason we saw what he did at times against the st louis blues for instance right but one guy that I'm really curious about, and we saw a little flash the other night against Minnesota, that he didn't score. But the way Vasily put Colson drove the net, and the mm-hmm. way Vasily put Colson is didn't back down last night, right, against that tough Minnesota team. The question we've had about Vasily put Colson, Dan, is what is his separating quality? And I'm not sure if it is talent. I'm not sure if it is pace. What if it's pure power and will? And he's a guy that hasn't grown into his frame yet, right? And He's, he, for his age, a 20-year-old kid, he's big and sturdy, but there's a lot to fill in there. In two or three years, if he becomes a brute power, straight-ahead player that isn't afraid of playing physical, drives guys through the walls and wins battles, is he a guy in-house? Not going to drop the gloves regularly, but can he be one of those power-will guys that really make a difference for you? I, uh, I, I really think um, that's what you hope Pod Colson becomes. I think there's elements there. The shot is been a surprise this year. That's really good, but separating quality is the best way to put it. Does he have one? Is he a jack right. of all trades? That's great, but you still need something that really separates you to be a consistent player in the National Hockey League at a impact level. And what is that going to be for Vasily Pod Colson? I think we saw a lot of those flashes last night. Another player I just wanted to quickly touch on because uh, we often get chirped here on Canuck Central Sat for maybe being too hard on the captain, but he is now at <laughs> yeah eight goals in 11 games through the month of March. It's pretty good. Really good. I mean, he might hit, you know, 30 goals now, right? I mean, that's within the realm of possibility for Bo Horvat to get a career high in in goals for this for the team so far for this season right now. And I will say this, Bo earlier this year, and this is what I, why I mentioned earlier that as much as people want to be critical of him and, and I have concerns about his overall ceiling and I'd hold on to other guys instead of him. But one thing he has done so far this year is overall win his matchups. And when you do that, that's something that's hard to do. And you give him a lot of credit. But when his offense has really taken off lately, and you'll take it, this need, team has needed the offense, it has kind of come at the expense of the defensive game to some extent, right? And that's kind of going to have to be that tightrope that Bo is going to have to walk and really figure out, can he score as much as he is now and do so while being better defensively? Because you look at the splits for the defensive metrics he had when he was struggling a bit offensively, but he was crushing his matchups. It was the opposite. Now over this last stretch of 15 games where he's been far more productive and he's helped the team out. And again, 
the production outweighs any of the defensive deficiencies because you're still giving giving such a net positive that it, it helps out. And at the end of the day, it's like we talk about all the time in baseball. It's about how do you get a win above replacement? I don't care how you get there. Just get to two or three wins above replacement, essentially. So that's all I care about. But as far as trying to evaluate how his game has changed, some of that offensive power that's coming is coming at the expense of his defensive game too, right? And that's going to be something they're going to have to figure out. And this ultimately comes down to what is Bo going to be and how do you best utilize him on this team long term but right now the way he's going this Canucks team wouldn't have success this weekend if it wasn't for Bo Horvat or these past two games yeah he's uh he's been on it and and the goals have been huge for Bo and it's come through at a big time where the team has really needed it obviously uh as we mentioned earlier on life support when it comes to the playoff hopes we'll talk more about Bo Horvat with Yannick Hansen and uh how the team played through these last two games and uh, what it means after the way they finished that seven-game homestand. But right now, let's bring in our next guest. It's Matt Lee of BCLC. Thanks for this, Matt. How are you? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Uh, we're, we're doing all right. Uh, Canucks going into a must-win tomorrow night against the Dallas Stars. How are, uh, how are the odds favoring the Canucks? Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is it, right? The Canucks need a win tomorrow. They need it in regulation, and they need to do it on the road with their third game in four nights. So the task tomorrow afternoon against the Dallas Stars is no small one. They're 2.25 on the puck line, plus one and a half on the spread. So right now, odds certainly not in their favor going into Dallas tomorrow. Uh, what has Bo Horvat kind of done uh, for betters when it comes to any time goals over the next last little while? Have betters been getting on the hot streak for Bo? Yeah, Bo Horvath's been popular lately, and you guys mentioned it right before uh, I came on here, about 11 goals in the last 15 games, so he certainly helped a lot of play now betters cash in. For those of you who were looking for those prop bets uh, on Bo Horvath, I believe before he had been checking in around 3.8 on an anytime goal. It's kind of dropped down back towards the norm around 3.6, 3.7 these days. So certainly what we've seen from Bo Horvath is that offensive switch being turned on and he's certainly uh, helping some betters right now on playnow.com. As for uh, Brock Besser, we know he's he's kind of been up and down, uh, but he's he's getting back on the score sheet now, playing on that line with with Horvat. Um, how are anytime goal props for for Brock Besser right now? Yeah, Besser's been a little tougher to come by on goals than Bo Horvat has as of late. Of course, streaky, I guess, it would be the word we would mm-hmm. use to describe Brock Besser's game as of late. He's still trending in that 3.8 sort of territory on an anytime goal, but you know, you you got to look at the results for Brock Besser. He's still on pace for the to hit that kind of 25 goal average that he sort of checked in at for most seasons. So he's still getting the results. It's just that they've come very inconsistently over the course of this season. No, they really have. And, you know, just looking at um, the outright Stanley Cup winners, and the Canucks played two teams, one at least that's a you know big-time contender in the Colorado Avalanche at 5-1. to one. Minnesota, I, they could be a sneaky dark horse, 19-1. to one. Might be some decent juice there for a team that could be built for the postseason, hey? Yeah, I'm glad that you guys brought this one up because we haven't checked on it for about a month or so now, and the mm-hmm. landscape has really shifted, like you guys have mentioned. You mentioned Minnesota. They've climbed the ranks up to 19.0. You guys, I think, Seth, you mentioned it on the broadcast, is that they acquired some big, heavy players that are kind of built for that rugged playoff-style hockey that we're going to probably see this spring. They've been rising, and in the meantime, Vegas has been falling. They went from top three to just barely in the top 10 now at 19.0, the same odds as Minnesota. 
The Avalanche, in the meantime, they're holding strong at 5.0, while we've seen the odds also for both Florida and Calgary surge since the trade deadline. It's pretty clear those two teams are all in with the moves they made for Claude Giroux, Tyler Toffoli, and Cal Yarncroak, respectively. Uh, we'll uh, we'll put uh, the, the hockey on the shelf for the, the rest of this week and check in back next week, but... Um... Canada soccer didn't do the job on uh, last night in Costa Rica. Uh, can they do it on Sunday against Jamaica, Matt? Yeah, it's going to be a tough one for Canada. I know that uh, everyone was kind of hoping that this would be it yesterday. And, Richo, I need to check in with you. Are you doing okay? Oh, man, yesterday was a really bad day, okay? <laughs> yesterday was a really bad day, Matt. It was, it was not good. Yeah, I mean, Canada does get that opportunity to, to make it happen uh, in their qualification games uh, later on this weekend. I'm going to check the odds right now. I know they're uh, they're in tough with Jamaica, or I, I should say they're the favorite against Jamaica, this one being at home. Uh, all they need is a draw, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. So 4.75 is the odds for a draw. Jamaica, in the meantime, 8.5 for, for this weekend. So it's going to be tough for Jamaica to pull out the win. But right now, Canada's odds, Looking good against Jamaica this Sunday. Now, Matt, one thing we do have to hit, and I know Dan Riccio is super excited about this, and we talked about this last year, but you guys have some Oscar um, uh, props being put up with the Oscars just around the corner as well. So how much fun do bettors have uh, getting engaged with putting some wagers down on Oscar winners? Yeah, you know, the Oscars are, I mean, undoubtedly the most popular awards bets that we offer on playnow.com. And every year they always seem to get a little bit of attention uh, around Oscars time. And, you know, the Best Picture Awards, Best Actor Awards, those are the ones that always sort of command most of the action. So this Sunday's Oscars, it's going to be an interesting one, of course. I mean, we haven't seen too many sort of blockbuster films come out lately um, just because the world is still getting back to normal. But uh, you're going to see some definite uh, juice if you will, on Best Picture. It's a two-dog race between The Power of the Dog and Coda. I know The Power of the Dog won Best Picture drama at the Golden Globes, which is usually a good sign that they're going to make some noise at the Oscars. That's, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the long shot on Dune. Sat, oh, I know we're big-time yes. Dune stands, so... Yeah, Dune uh, at 25.0 for Best Picture, so it could certainly surprise for sure. The other one I want to bring up, Will Smith for Best Actor and King Richard, of course, the the big tennis Mm -hmm. flick featuring uh, Venus and Serena Williams. Uh, To put this into perspective, Will Smith is up two sets to love, and he's serving for the match right now for Best Actor. It was that good of a performance. Uh, We'll have to put it on the list uh, because everybody keeps talking about how good Will Smith was in uh, King Richard. Uh, We always appreciate the time, Matt. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. There is uh, Matt Lee of BCLC. Be a player, bet on hockey like never before with Play Now Sports, your local BC sportsbook. Yannick Hansen is next on Canuck Central. Sportsnet 650's Canuck Central is presented by your local Grip Auto entire location. Friendly service and expert advice are waiting for you at gripauto.ca. Today, it's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. The uh, Dunbar Lumber text line was all over the uh, discussion uh, we were just having. Uh, Sam texting in, Bo is playing with a couple good players, finally. Uh, We've had a lot of discussions about Pedersen on Bo's wing. Uh, It it worked for the last couple of games, but it uh, certainly hasn't always been uh, pretty with that uh, that uh, lineup choice from Bruce Boudreaux. 
No, it hasn't. And, you, you know, the last couple of games, they've played really well together. It's the first time we can talk about Bull Horvat and Elias Pettersson on the same same line having success. It took a long time for them to get to that point. And, you know, both scored a lot more recently. It's true. Like I mentioned before, it is coming at somewhat of an expense to his defensive game. So it kind of comes back to what type of role are you playing him at? Because he went from, you know, crushing his differentials and winning his matchups. And listen, you look at five on five. Uh, the last 15 games, he's been on the ice for 10 goals, four and nine against. That's not bad, but the differentials as far as you know, scoring chances for and against, it's heavily against, right? Like over that stretch, he's had 20 high danger scoring chances for 34 against, and the overall scoring chances, he's only had 44% of that share, right? So it's not really happening, you know, because he's playing stout defensively, it's happening because they're going all out offensively. So again, it kind of comes down to what do you want him to be as a player and how is the best way to utilize him to be successful long-term? Uh, let's bring in our next guest. It is uh, Yannick Hansen, our uh, analyst here every Friday on Canucks Central. Thanks for this, Yannick. How are you? No problem. It's always a pleasure. Uh, it's always a pleasure having you on. I was, I'm was i watching that game last night and I'm thinking, man, this is, this is the kind of game that Yannick Hansen would absolutely love to be in. A greasy, greasy game against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I don't know if it was greasy. I thought it was. <laughs> it had the. It had a, a smell of playoff to it. Uh, scrums uh, going after, not after each other, but but you could definitely see it around the, the net and the goalies. Um, Minnesota has uh, beefed up a, a lot. Uh, seems like they have uh, a lot more guys who can play that role now, uh, and I think it really complements their their group. They have some very skilled players. Uh, smaller guys as well, and and they're allowed to play that game because they have a lot of guys around them that will uh, make them a little bit taller than they probably would be otherwise. And how important do you think it was as far as setting that tone and showing the Minnesota Wild that they're ready to play that Luke Shen had that fight? I mean, I know stage fights, you know, we, we roll our eyes oftentimes. They don't mean what they mean. But did you understand the method to the madness with Luke Shen at the beginning of that game? Uh, I think maybe there, there must have been something underlying. I, I don't know exactly why that would have happened. Um, uh, but again, it, it, for me, it's more so answering the bell physically. Um, fighting is... You, you're protected out there uh, in a sense that, that nobody's going to just grab you and start pummeling you anymore. It doesn't happen. Uh, either mm-hmm. two guys want to fight or there's nothing that happened. Um, the, the physical part of the game now, it, it lies in the hitting. Uh, and can you exert your will in that way? Um, and again, Luke is one of those guys who can step up and throw some of those hit back. So when we saw DeLaurier, when we saw Nick Foligno, when we saw Greenway uh, running our guys through the end walls a couple of times, we were lacking a little bit of that outside of Luke Shen right now. So so again, it, it's great to have him out there um, stepping up. Again, it, it's nice to know that you have somebody who will answer the bill whenever and for whatever reason it might be. Uh, it, it's definitely nice to have. You think that uh, needs to be a priority for the Canucks in the offseason, finding more uh, power and uh, brawn into their game? Yeah, they do. I, I think so. Stuff like like yesterday, like if they play Minnesota in the playoff, you know what they're going to be doing. They're going to be targeting mm-hmm. Quinn Hughes. They're going to be tar- targeting Pedersen. Uh, they're going to be hitting you every step of the way. And yeah, you might not win the game in the first uh, or win the round in the first game, but but you're going to set a set a set an example here, and and you might hurt somebody down the line. Um, 
And again, when you get hit like that, um, we might uh, say we're tough and all, but but you're you're looking over your shoulder. You're hearing those footsteps, and then they might not even have to be on the ice, but you get rid of the puck a little bit too quick. I don't know if it was Minnesota's fault yesterday or it was just one of those games, but there were a couple of giveaways that that shouldn't have happened, uh, where mm-hmm. they, they misplay the puck. It looks like they're, they're they're looking around and then the puck is gone and. It's a turnover, leads to a goal. Um, it, it's one of those things the physical aspect can have. You can't just have physical guys. I get that. Um, but but Minnesota is a great example of uh, Fiala, Kaprizov, Sucarello. These guys that are smaller, skilled guys that will make plays, um, uh, Eriksson Ek. And then you have the other other thing as well. We're here in Vancouver. We, we got a lot of the skill as well. Um, very talented guys. Um but we're lacking a little bit on, on the other aspect of it. Um, we have a lot of the same type of players that kind of provide the same uh, chase on Highmore, Lamico, mm-hmm. Mod when he was here. All of those guys, they're not bad hockey players in, in any way. Um, they get the job done, but they don't have that aspect to them. They don't provide the X factor. Um, they're not great goal scorers. They're not set up guys. They're not physical. They can do a little bit of everything. Um, that's where I'd like to see some interchange there where you're, you're, you have something that provides something else other than just, I feel like those are four players that provide the same, does the same. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. But again, mm-hmm. mix and match a little bit. Well, one question I had about a, an internal player becoming a bit more, and we kind of talked about it a bit earlier, Vasily Podkolzin is a rookie, right? He showed that move, the power move. He drove to the net and almost scored on the backhand. He wasn't afraid, you know, physically last night against the Minnesota Wild. Can his separating quality as time goes on be sheer strength as he fills into his frame and is a real good forechecker in that sense? Like, is that going to be maybe where he excels the most? Or do you think there's something else he's going to have to do? Um, I, I don't know exactly where he's going to land because some, some nights he's showing that he can forecheck, he can make the right plays. Uh, sometimes he's flashing that skill. Um, so ho- hopefully he'll, he'll find a way to harness it and, and then uh, become the player he's meant to be. But, but I, I would hope that he would uh, become a little bit more offensively uh, gifted and, and again, start contributing more as, as you get a little bit older, get comfortable get him set on a line as well. Um, he, he's been playing with, with Jason and, and Nick Patan now the last couple of games, and uh, I don't think a lot of guys could do a lot of offense on that line, so you've got to hold back a little bit there on the, on the criticism. Again, they haven't given up anything uh, in their own end, so, so that's good as well. But, but again, um, he, he's a player that should probably be surrounded with, with a little more talented players, players that will give and go make plays like he do because he does look like somebody you can bounce pucks off and and, and they'll come back to you if you will um but again he's he's new here and and learning so it's been a good year for him i think um eye opener a little bit first year in north america but i definitely think he has some untapped uh, potential they look like a, a different team in these last two against Colorado and Minnesota than they did uh, compared to the one we saw closing out that homestand over last Thursday and then la- last weekend. Uh, what, what what was the biggest difference for you? Like, What did you see that, that changed for the Canucks in those two games? Uh, they looked like they were winnable games. Um, the other ones did as well. But, but they, especially in, in, in Colorado, I felt like they were – they were on the right footing again. It looked like one of those games where Colorado, yeah, we're out here, we're we're punching in our time, 
Um, and there were certain times where you can see they turned it on, but, but it looks like a team that's waiting for the playoff right now. Um, Minnesota, on the other hand, they look like a team that are fighting for, for spots and positionings, and you could see that right off the bat. They come out physical, uh, and again, it's two completely different games, but again, Vancouver were able to um, find a way to, to adjust their game a little bit and, and find some solace in it that they could play in, in both ways. Um, and again, able to get points in those two cities were were big for them. It means we're still playing uh, uh, playing meaningful games. I don't think you can afford to lose uh, one or two games right now uh, with everybody else's winning. So you need to be picking up points uh, every step of the way. Um, again, so you feel like you're in it. Um, and again, tomorrow is is a great example. You lose that game and you're probably out. Uh, it's one of yeah. those must-win games. It's one of those games that can't be an overtime win. It has to be regulation. Um, you put yourself in that position. Um, so, so again, it's... But, again, they have that, and, and it's up to themselves. They don't have to scoreboard watch tomorrow. They just have to go out and, and win a game in Dallas. It's not an easy feat, but, again, it's, it's, it's that simple. Yeah, you're right. And one thing Dan brought up earlier, and I wanted to kind of, you know, throw by you, this Canucks team, when there has been pressure on them, they haven't really responded. But when it's been kind of been house money, when Boudreaux first took over, great success, right? And when it looked like things were going to go sideways after a 500 run for a bit, they won a bunch of games. But then when Detroit happened, you have to win this game, they laid flat, right? Those two games back-to-back on home ice before the road trip, those flat performances. It seemed like they were done. Then two great games back-to-back on this road trip. Is there something to be said about how you respond when the pressure is on versus when the pressure is off? Yeah, and that's the problem with this group. They they haven't been able to win those games. They have to. Um, you heard me talk about uh, when you're playing free, it's easier Um you get better results sometimes. Um, there isn't that pressure. But when the pressure is there, when we know we have to beat uh, uh, Detroit and Buffalo right now, and then we're right in the thick of things, then we can't quite get it done. Um, whether that's the pressure getting to them or um, immaturity in the dressing room, a lot of young guys that never been around for, for haven't been around for that long done that. I can't speak to that, but it's it's definitely a concerning pattern, if you will. It's something that you'd hope that uh, with this team that have been together for a while now, that that the maturity had set in, and it's like, okay, we can we can get this done when we have to, um, and then we'll we'll rely on systems, experience, skill set to kind of make sure we get those those wins that we on paper have to have. Um, so yeah, again, it, it is it is troubling when you see them um, shifting like that. But that's the the consistency we've been talking about for for a long, long time here. Uh, that kind of sets in when you see them play great games like this, and then you wonder why the heck can't you win against Detroit and Buffalo and these easier game when then get us in a playoff spot? Well, it, it's one of those things that goes with being uh, a winning team. Yannick Hansen is brought to you by the Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. Uh, Bo Horvat's had a, a great month offensively. Uh, is Are you seeing something different from Bo? Is he uh, more engaged in some ways? Uh, it's, it's uh, how to put this, uh, it's not luck, Um but Bo is the type of player who needs to be in the right spot in the right position. Um, 
Power play is a great example. Um, we talk about is Bo's going to be a, a point of king kind of guy, 90 point in a season, and he won't because the puck doesn't go through him the way it needs to in order to be a 90 point guy. No, he, he's the slot guy. Um, the guy needs to fiddle it into him, getting in the right position, and then he lets it go, or he gets one bouncing out to him. He kind of, his goals are rushes or uh, in the slot. It, he doesn't get a ton of points where he's just. Uh, dishing off left and right and centers, and, and you can see that he could have had four points tonight. Um, you see, talk about JT Miller a lot right now. The puck is always on his stick. So every time there's a scoring chance, he's he's involved. Where, where Bo, when he's uh, involved in a scoring chance, is because he's kind of being set up right now. So again, you'd love for him to take that step where he becomes more of that role, but that's something he'll have to do five on five because he's not going to get that spot on a power play. So Again, he's scoring right now, and, and he has potted a lot of goals lately. Um, again, I, I'd like him to take take another another step here, uh, five on five, and, and start really carrying the plays. And it's like, okay, Bo could have had four points tonight um, uh, in order for him to really assert himself yeah. and, and push this team even further than where they are right now. Because, you know... The the stats don't always tell the full picture, but I think the scoring chance, the high danger scoring chance differentials do kind of paint a decent picture here. And earlier this season, we talked a lot about how Bo, hey, maybe he's not producing, but he's at least winning his matchups. He's been good defensively. They've been driving as a line, and hey, at least he's fulfilling that role. Over these past 15 games, those differentials have gone the other way. He scored, though, and they've won, but it's come at the expense of that defensive game. How hard is it to kind of find that medium where you can do both things effectively? And what does that kind of say about how hard it is to find those guys that can do both things at a high level uh, at the same time? Uh, Patrice Bergeron, Sidney Crosby, <laughs> and it right. kind of stops there. Um, it's it's almost impossible to do. Like you, there, There's very, very few who can drive the offense in certain ways and, and not give up uh, – defensively that that's why we have uh, an Elias Pettersson and hopefully a Paul Horowitz as a one or two um, for the next many years here that, that that's why you have that set up because um, uh, it's it's very hard to do both uh, like I said Bo Bo needs to be involved in that power play and again get his get his goals there as well feel like you're really contributing offensively and then hopefully when he has all those tops matchups he's able to contribute a little bit there as well so his line isn't underwater if you will because um, there has been some games where, where they're giving up goals and it's one of those things where he, he needs to be on the winning end of, of matchups most nights because he's getting those tough ones so if he's if he's losing it's because the other other team's top players are are having a night tonight and and you never really want to see that it's a very daunting task and that is why you're not as, as critical with him if he's only putting up the 50, 60 point range because he's got that matchup. And if he wins that, um, you, you should come out more, more nights than not. JT Miller's done so much good this year, but one, uh, one theme that's kind of happened over the course of the season is uh, three on three overtime. He's got caught a little bit, not really um, going max effort on, on the back check. Is that, is that something to be critiqued for, or is it three on three? It's you can only do so much on the back check. Uh, I, I think it is a little bit. I, I think yesterday I'd uh, I'd lean on. Uh, I think it's Pedersen who is uh, who's hoping in the middle instead of playing that one safe and making it a two on two back uh, after he shoots and hit the post. Um, 
Miller kind of goes in, loses an net, but we we still got two. But then Pedersen's come flying in as well, and you get caught there. But but no, I, it's one of those things about Miller that that you'll you'll take the good with the bad. There there are some of these, I wouldn't call them nonchalant, but but like where you're not, you don't feel like he's given it a full effort. But there's no question that you can see it in his fate that he's really wished mm-hmm. that he'd done this differently. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, it's troubling when when they get scored on first shifts again and again and again. Um, you have the puck, be in the right position, um, and then take your chances when when they do come. Because yeah, three on three, it's, it's all your skilled guys out there, and you're gonna give Caprizov uh, room or, or egg. They, they're gonna put it in the back of the net. Um, it's that simple. So again, I would I would like to see them not play safer, if you will, but but play mm. play play a little bit more honest at three on three. What do you think of the way Pedersen and Hughes have been killing penalties? Um, I am, I would say, fifty-fifty on 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 both of them, um, because again, if it comes down to to those shot blocking and stuff like that, I don't know if they really want to block the shots, and I don't know if I really want to see them do it as well. There's no question that when you see Quinn Hughes take the puck in the corner with two or four checkers on him, skate out a problem and pucks down the, end, the other end. It's great to see. It's it's so relieving. Um, don't have anybody else who can do that on that team. Um, but again, it's 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 also a daunting task to fight with Nick Foligno in front of your net if he's got 40 pounds on you and you're cross-checking and getting moved. He's always getting positions. Um, so again, I'd I'd like to see them find somebody to fill those roles for them. They don't have them right now. So, so again, it, it's 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 a personal issue, but it's one of those things where I really hope in the summer that they'll they'll solve that out. So if they do need to use Pedersen and then Quinn Hughes on the on the penalty kill, it's on the very tail end of the shift, the shift that leads into the five on five. So they're on the ice for the last 20. And then we go for another 30 when it's, uh, when it's five on five, because that's often where you can kind of capitalize a little bit on the other team. They're not quite adjusted. You just killed off a penalty. They're not setting their lines. Um, and, and you can sometimes take advantage of that. But again, personal issue is what it is. And uh, they're, they're forced with probably having to use some players out of their uh, comfort positions right now. Yannick Hansen, our guest. Uh, you had a unique uh, uh, entry into the NHL, as we know, starting uh, playing a playoff games before you played in the uh, in the regular season. Will Lockwood is is getting his call up here. Uh, what what kind of? I, I, yeah, he did play a couple of games last year, but for a guy that's coming in to play a bottom six type role, what what kind of uh, what what do you look for out of a player like that? Uh, some energy. Um... Being able to come in and again get in on a forecheck, you don't expect a ton of offense right off the bat. But but again, it, it would be nice to come in and see that does he have the speed and not just uh, speed, but does he have NHL speed? Um, can he separate himself from defenders? Um, can, can he work in a in a forechecking role in a cycle role? Um, again, a lot of times I don't know these guys. I know what you guys tell me or what I hear. Uh, uh, Murph say on on the radio because I don't watch them in the American League. I don't read the scouting reports and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so so the first thing I try to do is always okay. What type of player is coming in here? What can he be uh, potential? Uh, and quite early on, especially with guys that are a little bit older that has played in the American League, 
they, they've kind of settled into a role, and then you can see where they'll pan out. They said that Pud Colson is a lot harder right now because he, he's so young. He hasn't played uh, pro over here, uh, so where he's going to fall. But Lockwood has had some years now and have had a sniff, um, so he should start uh, kind of forming where, where he's going to end up. Uh, and again, if he can fill, by the sound of it, that, that third-line role where you're you're checking, providing energy, uh, being a pain in the butt to play against, uh, then great. Um, does he have uh, some offensive uh, potential that hasn't been tapped into real, real yet? That That's one of those things I'm kind of looking forward to see and I'm looking for when you see the, the, the new younger guys coming in. Yannick, uh, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for this. Yeah, thank you. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, you too. Uh, that is Yannick Hansen, always with uh, some great insights on the Vancouver Canucks. Interesting um, how he talked about Bo Horvat there in the sense of, you know, Horvat's never going to be a huge point producer and does some of his best work off of the puck. And, you know, we see that on the power play. Um, we saw that in the goal last night. Uh, not that it's lucky to uh, be on the hot streak that he's on right now, but uh, there's just moments when Bo uh, seems to be in the right place at the right time when he's hot. Yeah, I mean, Yannick breaks it down so well, too, right? And and also kind of goes back to just the standards to be able to do those things both at the same time. And you kind of laugh and say, well, yeah, if, if you're Patrice Bergeron to Sidney Crosby, I mean, that that's kind of what it is. And and sometimes maybe we, we can hold guys to standards that are so hard to attain. But, hey, that's the nature of the beast to some degree, right? But, you know, he's been on a heater. And you can see it with his shooting percentage, too, right? 25% or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it comes down to, what are your overall numbers looking like by the end of the season? He's going to be close to 60 points. He's got 25 goals. Maybe he gets 30. And how you get to 30 goals, how you get to 60 points, I don't think anybody really cares as long as you get to those you know, high water marks. And that would be something we haven't seen from Bo yet if he does hit 30 goals. We'll see if he does because... You know, he's been on quite the heater and, you know, can he get five more more goals here in, in the final 16 games? It's not going to be easy to do. But once a guy hits 30 goals, he does put himself at least temporarily into a different conversation. The one player who uh, plays both ends of the rink really well um, is Philippe Dano. Now, he doesn't score at a right. really high level in the way that a, a Bergeron or Crosby do, but, you know, he's a 40, 50 point guy. And, uh, he's getting back there, uh, this year with the LA Kings up over 20 goals for the season. But, I, you know, that, that's, that's a player that I think we all kind of wondered how the contract would look, but he is just so good at both ends of the rink. And you want to talk about a guy who wins their matchups consistently, well, Philippe Deneau wins his matchups and drives play about as well as any centerman in the league. And really, you know, his his pay is more based on that than it is his offensive production. And ultimately, just crush it, right? And the, what we talked about before, I don't care how you get to being a net positive player. And, a not, and, and there's a difference between being a net positive player as a fourth liner, a net positive player as a middle six guy, and a net positive guy as a top six guy. If you're a top six player, find a way to, to be net positive. 
for a top six level production. I don't care how you get there. That's what I want to see more than anything else, right? And after a while, we get to a conversation about, okay, who fits with who and how, what type of team do you want to have and what's the identity of that team? But as far as value goes and ability goes, just get to those marks, man. And I think at some point, that's what you have to kind of view this as. It's Canuck Central, Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. Must win tomorrow against the Dallas Stars. Let's preview the stars with Matthew DeFranks next on Sportsnet 650.